0: Welcome to the 4,000 Weeks Podcast, brought to you by 4kweeks.com. Week 48 of the year 2023 has arrived. The smell of cold and damp leaves is in the air. There's a little bit of snow falling outside, and the squirrels are gorging, butts up in the air, diving into pumpkins that are rotting on porches from Halloween. In the United States, most of us are on our sixth plate of Thanksgiving leftovers. The lucky ones still have a couple more days of ham and cheese sandwiches left to go. It's time to walk over to your 4K Weeks poster and fill in another square, marking another week that has passed that you can no longer get back. Are you done? Here we go. What is it about having leftovers in the fridge that feels like winning the lottery? If you're listening to this podcast, you can surely afford to buy your own food, and yet, having leftover food that is delicious from the previous day in the fridge seems special. It's also strange how a custom Thanksgiving that is so much a part of our year can be a strange foreign concept to 33% of the people who are listening to this podcast in other parts of the world. I wonder if in the future, as we assimilate more, if regional holidays will disappear and then we'll all just celebrate the same stuff. Remarkable weeks. What kind of interesting things happened in this week in years gone by? Week 48 in the year 1919, Nancy Astor was elected the first female member of the British House of Commons. She was 2114 weeks old. Week 48 of 1932, Groucho Marx performed for the first time on the radio. Interesting little note my dad was born in 1936. He is still with us. And when he was young, he listened to radio performances. And when he was a little bit older, they had a TV, and then they won another TV in a competition, and they sold it. Actually, I think they gave it to a friend because they could not imagine why a single person, a single family, would have a need for more than one TV. In week 48 of 1972, Nolan Bushnell, co-founder of Atari and Chuck E. Cheese, releases Pong, the first commercially successful video game, it was released in Andy Cap's Tavern in Sunnyvale, California, Sunnyvale being the real-world analog of Buffy Summers' Sunnydale. That's insane. My son plays video games that are nearly lifelike, and the first commercial video game was released in 1972. That's insane. The future is a crazy place to live. This week's quote, I took this quote from uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, which we watched just the other night. And it is Jacob Marley speaking as he visits Scrooge. And here it goes. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise men to a poor abode? Were there no poor homes to which its light would have conducted me? The reason for the season, regardless of which flavor of season your tribe celebrates, is to be generous and kind with your time, attention, and treasure. And the entirety of A Christmas Carol is a lesson about that. I don't know what the hell we are all doing here. Truly, that mystery confounds me on a daily basis. But I know that there's zero chance that leaning further into generosity and compassion is not part of the right answer. And so, clearly hundreds of years ago, people needed this lesson. And I bet a hundred years from now, people will need this lesson. But in this final month of the year, give people your attention and your time, because it is the most precious gift that you can give. So let's dive into what I'm consuming this week. Um, The first podcast was just kind of earth shattering this week. It's the gray area with Sean Illing. And the title of the episode is the case against free will. He interviews Robert Sapolsky, who is a hard determinist and believes that there is no such thing as free will. And that all of our choices today are just a reflection of all of the good and bad things that have happened to us from the moment we were a zygote inside our mother's womb until now. And I think that we can all agree on some level that, you know, what I do today is affected by what happened to me yesterday. But uh, Sapolsky takes a pretty hard line on it, and it's an incredibly interesting conversation and a hard one for you to be able to fold in to your current paradigm of the world. I mean, if, if, if we are all just the things that have happened to us, why do we punish murderers? And it gets weirder from there. Um, I also listened to the moment with Brian Koppelman. It was a rebroadcast of, uh, Rick Rubin, his interview with Rick Rubin. And I think that right now Rick Rubin is one of the most special kinds of being for me. Um, I, I you got to take people at their face and I, it seems, he seems incredibly sincere, but the man has so little ego, um, and is so, seems to be just so interested in doing interesting things for their own sake. Um, He's like a monk, and uh, I wasn't that familiar with him other than, you know, the, the recordings that he has made that, you know, kind of soundtracked my youth. But it's a spectacular podcast, and you should listen to it. I've been listening to The Unmistakable Creative with uh, Srini Rao. Um, the Seth Godin episodes are great. He does a good job of asking Seth questions that other people do not ask. Um, gosh dang, there's a lot of podcasts this week. The, the Daily had an episode on OpenAI and the coup inside OpenAI. And then they also rebroadcast the Hard Forks interview with Sam Altman, uh, who was the CEO of OpenAI. And I have to tell you that at 34 minutes and eight seconds, there is the most important moment in the entire podcast. And it's where Sam Altman, uh, I believe he says that, you know, in the same way that this is a, a paraphrase, in the same way that humans are able to read the internet and learn and grow, He believes AI should be able to read the internet and learn and grow. And I just stood bolt upright when I heard that, and I can't disagree more strongly. I don't know what the answer is. It's clearly an important technology that is going to make the world better for us. But I certainly disagree with the assumption in that statement that um, corporations and their products, even when the product is AI deserve the same rights as people. I think we really went off the rails when we gave corporations personhood. And I can't imagine also giving it to AI. Um, There may come a moment in the future when the artificial intelligences that we have spurred into motion become sentient. And then we need to have that discussion. But right now, I certainly don't think that Sam Altman's general intelligence, artificial intelligence, has the right to just read whatever it wants and uh, the same way that you and I do. Um, super interesting. I'd like, I think you, sh- you should listen to it and I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, you can always email me at spencer 4 at kweekscom the number four. Okay. Let's see. Let's just dive into what I am thinking about this week. Um, as you would imagine with that Robert Sapolsky podcast on the gray area, free will has really been in my head. Um, I've always thought that it's a strange bit of kind of bureaucratic line drawing that at 17.99999 years old, we don't hold you fully responsible for your choices. But the next day when you are 18 years old, then suddenly you are fully responsible for your choices. And I mean, I get it that we have to draw a line. You wouldn't hold an infant. You know, you wouldn't let an infant sign a contract. Um, But it's just weird that we drew the line there. And I think that it's always, you know seems strange that even if you've been crapped on for the first 18 years of your life, like if you've been locked in a closet for the first 18 years of your life, you are still expected to suck it up and thrive when you turn 18 or suffer the consequences. And so maybe I was predisposed to be open to Robert Sapolsky's directional thinking here. But at the same time, it's really hard for me to fit the, you know, the kind of demonstrable lack of free will that he's talking about Into my current paradigm, nearly everything I think about, nearly everything I talk about, nearly everything I do relies on me believing, truly believing that I have agency and that I can control the outcome of my own personal situation. And I practice daily the fact that there's so much that I can't control. I know that, right? I know that I can't control outcomes, I can only control inputs. Um, But I just don't know how to fit these two pieces. Into the same puzzle, the fact that, you know, I mean, I kind of agree that if you get punched in the face your entire life, that that's going to have an effect on your choice today. But I also believe that um, I am who I am because of some discipline that I've had. But Sapolsky would argue that I am that I get no credit for that. And I mean, he he makes a good argument, and he's smarter than I am, so I don't know how to make it. I don't know how to uh, beat him at his argument. The Stoics had a really iffy relationship with free will; they believed in determinism and fate, but also they felt like it was incumbent upon each person to strive to do better and be better each day. It's almost like they felt like you're a Sisyphus, and I know that you you know that's like I know that you're preordained to push that rock up the hill for the rest of your life only to have it roll back down each night, but you still got to push the rock up the hill and I think you know maybe that's. Maybe that's the direction I need to approach this from. Maybe all of this is just one more example of the struggle being the point. But then, so that's for me personally, how do I deal with everyone else out there, right? How, how, do, you deal with, how do you deal with people in a world in which you know you can't fully blame them for the choice they're making right now? Um, I think I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think maybe the right path to walk down is some version of continuing to hold myself fully accountable and to try to do better myself, but to basically let everyone else off the hook. And actually, to go back to the Rick Rubin podcast that I listened to, that's very much like his attitude, the the kind of the, the, the vibe, the spirit, the ness that he has in that podcast is like, I know I like it, but if you don't like it, that's fine. How could I possibly choose without any anger or judgment. And I think that's what was special about that podcast to me is the, the way he was just kind of open to you hating the thing that he loves. And that's fine, right? And, so, and that's a very special uh, way to look at it. But maybe that is the direction that I need to come at this and that we all need to come at this. Far be it from me to tell you how you should come at it, but I'm only telling you this because I believe this opinion and so trying to affect your thinking a little bit weird. Um, but I think the, uh, the important thing to note here is that there is no real intellectual disagreement about if you are the result of all the good and bad things that have happened to you up until now. There's no disagreement there. That's basically settled. The only real question is how we're going to fold that understanding into how we move forward as a culture. And then also like, how much are you affected by all the good and bad things? Is it 100 percent? Is it 99 percent? Is it 50 percent? I'm going to tell a little anecdote about this really quickly. I have a strong distaste for the TSA. I used to fly before everything got locked down crazy hard. And then I have flown a lot after. And it always seems so arbitrary. And I just don't think it's good for us as a culture to have a rude 20-year-old be going through the bag of uh, an 80-year-old lady, right? I just don't think that that's good for us as a culture Um, and I was flying with a friend of mine um, our families actually and you know a friend who knew me well enough to know that I was getting all bent out of shape about the TSA yelling at us to get our laptops out of our bags and just all this like treating you like a child Um, treating not just not just like a child treating you like a stupid child that they have contempt for that's like the vibe of a TSA checkpoint and uh, he knew I was getting bent out of shape and he likes to poke the bear. And he knows me well enough to know where to poke, and so he said this. He said, "Well, how? What do you think there should be? Should there be no security?" And of course, I don't think there should be no security. But in him asking me that, he immediately deflated my whole everything about what I was thinking because we're not talking about um, whether or not the theory is correct. We're just talking about. How much of it we should apply. And that's just a negotiation. It's not a, this thing is right or wrong. And so in that instant, by saying that he basically took all of the wind out of my sails because we can have differing opinions about how much security, but we all agree there should be security, which is like, then just stop complaining about the fact that you don't like this level of security or whatever. And the point there is to get back to the free will thing is that we're not arguing about how much, or we're not arguing about if the things that have happened to you up until now affect your choices today. We're just arguing about how much. And so you kind of have to walk down the road of like, well, all of it, it all matters. So I don't know. I think um, it's a difficult thing to, to discuss and to, and to hold in your head. And in fact, in that podcast, Sapolsky, in trying to make this a little bit easier to digest, says, well, it used to be normal to burn women at the stake if we didn't like what they were doing. Like, that was just the thing. Oh, yeah, well, you know, she's possessed by a demon or she's a witch. And so let's, you know, get rid of her, burn her at the stake. And we have grown and learned and we don't do that anymore, right? And he talks about um, people with epilepsy. That used to be, we used to know for 100% sure that epilepsy was a demon possession. And the only way to solve it was to burn that person at the stake. And that's ridiculous. We have grown and we have learned. So it'll be interesting to see 100 years from now how we deal with people who have violent outbursts and people who do bad things. Thing uh, about the fact that we should probably just hold ourselves accountable and let other people off the hook. And it's a quote from Epictetus that I think really relates. Epictetus says, Don't be puffed up with pride if you are able to provide for your needs with very little cost. Consider how much more frugal the poor are than we, how much better they forbear hardship. If you want to develop your ability to live simply, do it for yourself, do it quietly, and don't do it to impress others. So I think that that actually just relates to this holding yourself accountable. Hold yourself accountable. Don't hold someone else accountable. Let them deal with that. Thing, and that's the dad joke of the week. So I will ask you, what did Santa pay for his sleigh? Ready for the punchline? Nothing. It was on the house. Have a great week.